So I heard some of you praying for Rush. I was thinking last night, in the last six months, the world has lost, I've lost, whatever. Two people that were really important to me. One of them was Rush, and I enjoyed him very much. He was about the only talk radio guy I listened to, and I enjoyed him. And the other one was Rabbi Sachs, who died this past fall. So I figured I'd combine both of them and see how it goes. Sachs wrote a piece, I don't know how long ago, I read him every week on the Torah portion, and it's not with this Torah portion. But what he was talking about is the pursuit of happiness. The United States has got enshrined in one of its founding documents the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Sachs thinks that that's not a good idea. And I have to agree with him. As I jokingly tell my son, Thomas Jefferson was a hippie. Brilliant man, obviously. Had a real way with writings. And, and it, it's interesting because Jefferson wrote the Declaration, but Madison and Washington wrote the Constitution. They didn't let Jefferson anywhere near it. In fact, they sent him off to France. And he was in France during the writing of the Constitution. So the Constitution and the Declaration are very different. But anyway, Sachs' point was the pursuit of happiness will lead you into a blind alley if that's what you're doing with your life. What Sachs is suggesting is what you really want to pursue is meaning. Obviously, happiness and meaning are two different things. You can tell they're spelled differently. The way Sachs described it, and I like this very much, happiness is about consumption. Meaning is about production. If you're going through life pursuing happiness, what you're doing is you're going through life seeking to satisfy some appetite. And don't get me wrong, God is not hostile to happiness. He motivates us with be joyful because I've given you so much. Be joyful because you have a relationship with me. Be joyful. So the idea of happiness is not something that God is against. But if that's what you center your life on, what happens is you wind up in a cul-de-sac. Instead, meaning is what you want to be pursuing. And as I was writing this last night, I came up with a title. The search for meaning, some assembly required, because searching for meaning is not always easy. One of the things that I liked about Rush, he died at the age of 70. He has been on the radio for 30 years. If you use your fingers and do the arithmetic really fast, what you'll discover is he spent 40 years of his life doing something that was not the thing that he was designed to do. He tells the story of his life and you know he never went to college and his parents were really upset with him because they thought in order to be successful you had to have college. And he rumbled around, I don't know how many jobs he got fired from, a lot, and his life was aimless. But he talks about this. And the fact that for, as I say, 40 years of his life, he was sort of wandering around aimlessly until he finally got into the niche where he belonged, and then he took off. 
And lots of us are that way. We go through life not really understanding what it is we're supposed to do. And one of the things that this idea of the pursuit of happiness will do will be to distract you from the search for what you're supposed to be doing. Because if you think the highest goal in life is a pursuit of happiness, that's fairly straightforward. It's basically satisfy whatever appetites you have and figure out how to do that. That's a fairly straightforward thing because your appetites are generated inside of you. Now, one of the things that's important to understand is you cannot tell the purpose of a thing from inside the thing. What does that mean? Well, let's take, for example, a car, an automobile. From inside the automobile, you can't tell what its purpose is. The only way you can tell what its purpose is is through the one who made it. So somebody made that automobile. And somebody made that automobile for a purpose. The automobile doesn't need to know what its purpose is. The one who made it is the one who knows what its purpose is. So as we're living inside this creation that God made, the only way we can figure out our purpose is to refer to the one who made it. So you have to go to God and say, why? What did you make us for? What did you make me for? And the dead end in our society, which is dedicated to the pursuit of happiness, there's sort of two traps. The one we've fallen into is way new. It's not a trap that the ancients were subject to. We read in the Haftor today about Ephraim. And Ephraim went off into idolatry, idol worship. That's a dead end. What idol worship is, is Satan's counterfeit for a relationship with God. People in the ancient world knew that this was not all there was. They had a very strong and real sense of the spiritual dimension. So Satan's tactic there was to redirect that spirituality into something that was going to be a dead end as opposed to having that spirituality directed toward God which gives you meaning. We're different. Our problem is we are now in a society that has lost its spirituality. So instead of being directed off into idol worship to sidetrack us, what Satan does is directs us off into mindless consumption to distract us. Satan is doing the same thing both ways. Both cases, what he's trying to do is trying to distract us from focusing on God to figure out what the meaning of our life is. As I say, the popular tool used to be idol worship. Now the popular tool is pursuit of happiness or appetite. But it's the same goal, which is to keep you from figuring out what it is you're supposed to be doing. That brings us to Jacob's ladder. You all knew that was coming, right? Let's look at Jacob. I don't know how old right off the top of my head he was when he stole his brother's blessing and got run out of town. But up until that point, Jacob's life had been the pursuit of happiness. He envied his brother. His brother was the firstborn. 
So what he did is he, I don't know if there was a trick involved, he took advantage of his brother's impulsive nature. What I really want is I want to be the firstborn. And by the way, that goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. So the first thing he does is he manages to get the right of the firstborn, and then the next thing he does is he steals the blessing. Both of those are pursuit of happiness kinds of behavior. So he gets run out of town by his brother, and he's on the way, and he has this vision. And that vision is the beginning of a change that God is making in Jacob. And what God is doing with Jacob is he is reorienting Jacob from consumption to production, if you will, from the pursuit of happiness to the pursuit of the meaning. So God reaches down and grabs him with this dream and shows him this dream and he says, whoa. And don't get me wrong. He believed in God all this time. I'm not suggesting that he changed from being an atheist to being a believer. No, he believed in God. But the point is his focus was not, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? His focus was, how do I make myself happy? And interestingly, Jacob's life is not a happy life. In fact, I'll read you a passage of scripture toward the end of his life when Joseph takes him into Pharaoh. It's in Genesis 47. Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. And they have not attained the days of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. You all know the story of Jacob. He gets tricked out of the wife that he wants. That wife dies in childbirth. His favorite son gets sold into slavery. All of the things that happen to Jacob do not make up for a happy life. He did not have a happy life. He never gets to settle down. He is always moving. His daughter gets raped. If you look at the life of Jacob, it is not happy, but it is a life that is full of meaning. And at the end of his life, he blesses his son and he names each one of them. And his blessing to each one of them is in accordance with his temperament, the, the kid's temperament, not Jacob's temperament. And those blessings follow those tribes throughout Israelite history. So he has got a tremendous effect in the kingdom of God. He's the father of the tribes of Israel. He has blessed his sons and he has seen all of them together at the end of his life. So he has an extremely meaningful existence in God's kingdom even though most of his life was not very happy at all. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you've got to be miserable to be useful to God. That's not the message here. I'm saying that if what you are pursuing is happiness, you will be led into a dead end. Whereas if what you're trying to do is figure out what you're supposed to be doing with your life, that will lead you to a life of meaning. Anybody here has not heard of Viktor Frankl? Viktor Frankl was a Jew. 
and he was in a concentration camp during World War II. He's a psychiatrist. And what he discovered is that people in the concentration camp who had no purpose in life died. Those who survived are those who had some purpose that they were looking forward to that they wanted to accomplish before they died. In fact, one example that he uses, I think, is trivial, but it kept the guy alive. The guy had written a couple of travel books, and he had a couple of more books that he wanted to write. Now, in the light of eternity, a travel book doesn't seem like a big deal. But for this guy, he had a purpose. He had something he wanted to accomplish. And so he survived the concentration camp and went on to write his books. Viktor Frankl wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is an excellent book, by the way. It's not very big. I recommend it to you. But his point is, we all have a need to have meaning. And I'll give you a piece of scripture. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. Notice, be joyful and do good. The point of putting eternity into your heart, to quote Rabbi Sachs, your dog can be happy. Your dog can be unhappy. Your dog doesn't have a sense of the meaning of life. That's where you're different. And what God has done is he's put into your heart this need to have meaning. And that's where I said some assembly required. What he doesn't do is necessarily, I mean, some people he did. Moses, he reached down and grabbed and said, come on, boy, you're going to be my leader of Israel. That's fairly rare. Most of us, he doesn't do that to. Most of us, like Rush, stumble along for 40 years before we finally come into the place where this is the meaning of my life. This is the thing I'm designed to do. This is the thing that will make me productive in the kingdom of God. That's why I say some assembly required. It is typically not just given to you. So, I am of firm belief, believe this down to my toes, that God has made each one of us for a purpose. I'm not always sure what that purpose is, but I am rock solid sure that I have one. And I'm rock solid sure that you have one. I am also rock solid sure that God has given you everything you need to figure that out. From the stupidest person in the world to the biggest genius in the world, Everybody has been given what that person needs to figure it out. Because if he hasn't given you what you need to figure it out, then he's cheated you. And God's not a cheat. Now, when I say giving you everything you need, it may be he will bring somebody into your life, like what happened to Rush, 
Russia's sloshing around at the age of 40, not sure what he wants to do, and somebody came to him and says, you want to do radio? Start doing radio. Oh, <laughs> gave him some motivation and a kick in the backside, and off he went. Lots of hard work. So the thing that you need may be somebody else. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm suggesting that he's necessarily wired everything physically into you. But he will give you everything that you need to figure it out. Your problem is you got to want to figure it out. And that's where the pursuit of happiness is a dead end. Because if your goal is being happy, as opposed to your goal is figuring out what it is God wants you to do, you've heard the old phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins, that'll be your life. My phrase for that is, he who dies with the most toys is dead. As opposed to someone who spends his life trying to figure out what he is here for, that person, when he moves on to the next phase of his life, is alive. The body may die, but you're alive. Whereas the one whose focus is how many toys do I have is dead. So, in solving a problem, knowing that there is a solution is half the battle. So as you're looking at a problem, if you know that it can be solved, then it just becomes a matter of hard work as opposed to looking at a problem that you don't think can be solved. In which case, as I say, you go off and start collecting toys. So what God is telling us through scriptures and everything else is you have a purpose, you can figure out what that purpose is, and at that point it simply becomes a matter of hard work. That I find extremely hopeful, as opposed to what's the problem with our society, which is not a godly society any longer, is people have stopped looking. And so what they're doing is drifting, and they're distracting themselves with toys. Our society is miserable. We have suicide rates out the ceiling, divorce, abortion, all of those kinds of pathologies are a function of people who have no purpose. In fact, I'm reading a book right now. He's talking about drug addiction. And his thing is, drug addiction is a function of people with no purpose and they're trying to find some kind of purpose and that purpose they're trying to find is in an altered conscious state don't like the consciousness I've got right now maybe the drugs will give me a better consciousness and that's endemic to a society that is admired in the pursuit of happiness instead of a society that is directed to find out what its purpose is, to find meaning. One of the things that I will suggest that you can do is when you find people who are directionless like that, give them the idea that there's something that only they can do. 
you may be the only one that can comfort somebody else. You may be the only one who can lay hands on someone and heal them. You may be the only one that can start a radio show that will sweep the nation and change the conversation. You may be the only one who can whatever. And as I say, it doesn't have to be nation sweeping. It can be person to person. You may be the only one who can do that. You may be the only one who can say the word that will change a young woman's mind. You may be the one who can do that. And that's a purpose. That's meaning. And everybody has one. So, some assembly required. Find yours.